Once again today, we want to return to the book of Revelation. We're doing an overview, and we've reached chapter 3. But make sure you anchor to chapter 1, where we actually have an outline for the entire book. Jesus Christ appears in all of his glory to the Apostle John. This is a book that promises, the only book of the Bible, that promises a special blessing to those that will hear it and heed it, respond to it. Have you responded to the book of Revelation? And now we're going to look at a couple of churches that Jesus Christ personally addresses. Now we've looked at four different churches in chapter 2. The church at Ephesus, the church at Smyrna, the church at Pergamum, the church at Thyatira. And what we see is that Jesus is intimately involved with these churches. He knows what's going on. He commends them for certain things and then he challenges them. This is written to believers. We should take seriously that Jesus Christ said he'd build his church. And he said the gates of hell would not prevail against it. But again, as I mentioned last time, when you look constantly, Jesus is referring to Satan, the synagogue of Satan. Satan will cause some of you to suffer. This is a spiritual battle. And Jesus is speaking to these churches. I wonder what he would say to your church, to my church to various churches across, this, across the globe and across our country. Well, we've come to chapter 3, and we're going to begin with the church at Sardis. And again, all we have time for is an overview, but let me read the text and think about what the Lord Jesus is saying to this body of believers. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy." The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Notice again, Jesus said, I know your works. I know what's going on. I know what you're doing. I know the kind of ministry you're having. And then he even says this, you have the reputation of being alive. In other words, to those that were looking at this church, this church at Sardis, it appeared that they were doing an incredible work for him. Their reputation among other believers, apparently, is that they were alive. They were passionate. But Jesus knows our hearts. He knows what's really going on. That's something we all need to think about on a regular basis. We cannot even hide our thoughts from him. And so he knows the reality. He knows that although many people were elevating the church at Sardis as a, a great work of God, that he knew they were dead spiritually. And so Jesus rebukes them and he says, wake up. In other words, you're asleep, you're missing it, you're deceived. Wake up and strengthen what remains. In other words, the true passion of the heart that still remains in the lives of some people that were part of this body of believers. Strengthen what remains that's about to die. 
For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. He's talking about God the Father. And although their reputation was that of being alive, the reality is they were dying. And here's what Jesus says to them. And he's probably saying this to many churches today. Remember then what you received and heard. Remember the truth of the word of God. Remember the gospel. Remember the first teaching you received about the resurrection fulfilling the prophecies of the Old Testament. Remember then what you received, what you heard. Keep it. In other words, embrace it and repent. The word repent is found throughout the book of Revelation and especially to the churches. To repent means to agree with God about your behavior. Repent means I agree that God says what I just did or what I just thought was wrong. I repent of that and I embrace what God says. And so Jesus is calling them to repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Imagine that. It's the Lord coming against a body of believers who have lost their spiritual anchors. They are no longer doing the work they were called to do despite the externals looking like everything was in good order. It wasn't. I suspect that so many churches, especially in America, so many churches are like the church at Sardis. The externals look good. Hey, look at the budget. Look at the attendance. Look at the size of our facility. Hey, we've got a huge staff. But the reality is a lot of people in that body of believers are not growing in their faith. They're not living for the Savior. It's really just part of the way they go about their week, you know, attending a meeting or two. There's a great deal more we could say about the church of Smyrna and the parallels to many churches today, but let's look at a church that is placed right alongside in terms of the series of letters that Jesus had John write to these seven churches, and we come to a church that is very much in contrast to Smyrna, and that is the church in the city of Philadelphia, just some 30 or so miles away from the church at Smyrna. And here's what we read in Revelation chapter 3. And to the angel, or the messenger of the church in Philadelphia, write, The words of the Holy One. Again, we see the person of Jesus Christ being laid as a foundation for each of the letters. This, is, this comes from the words of the Holy One, the one who is set apart, the one who is perfect, whose death was a perfect sacrifice, the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. In other words, when Jesus Christ opens the door, it stays open. When it's locked, it's locked for good. And then he says, I know your works. Again, Jesus has a firsthand knowledge of what was taking place at the city of Philadelphia. And he says, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door. In other words, I have given you an opportunity for ministry. And he says, I've opened up the door and no one is able to shut the door. And then Jesus makes a statement that is important for all of us, not only in terms of a body of believers, but us personally. He says, I know that you have but little power. I feel like saying, Lord, thank you. 
<laughs> Thank you that you know how limited is my capability, my power, just just functioning on a day-to-day basis, wanting to live for you. I am limited in my power and capabilities, and so are entire bodies of believers. We lack power. And it's when we recognize that that we can begin to experience this power because we walk dependently. Affluence in, in a body of believers in terms of numbers and wealth and the like is a danger because we think we have power when we don't. We have little power. We are totally dependent upon him. And Jesus goes on and says, and yet you have kept my word. In other words, you have limited power, but you've kept my word. What I've said, what I've told you, and you have not denied my name. They were being persecuted. All of these churches, there's persecution. There's martyrdom. Jesus talks about it. He addresses it in various churches. And then he says this. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan. Now, what is that? Well, it's a group of Jews, apparently, in a synagogue, and they're in opposition to the gospel. They have not accepted Jesus Christ as the Mashiach, the Messiah. And it's as if Satan's in control. So Jesus says, this is the synagogue of Satan. He's influencing them. And he says, those who say they are Jews but are not, but lie. In other words, they're saying, hey, we're the true Jews. When Jesus is essentially saying, no, the true Jews are those who have put their faith in me as Messiah. And with them, of course, given equal standing by the grace of God, are Gentiles. And then Jesus makes a promise to the believers at Philadelphia and really to the church at large. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Jesus will one day make our enemies bow before him, and as we stand with him, before us. We need to keep that in mind when we face persecution. There is a day of reckoning that will come. Then Jesus makes an amazing promise to the church at Philadelphia. And really, when you look at it, it's a promise that extends to the body of Christ at large. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. The hour of trial. This is a reference to the tribulation period, which is going to be described in the chapters that follow. After Jesus breaks open the scroll and the judgments of God are poured out, Jesus says, I will keep you from it, not through it, but from that hour. He's going to rescue us. This clearly is a reference to the rapture of the church, the the bride of Christ being taken to heaven before this hour covers the world. And we have reason to believe that hour could be upon us soon. And so we're looking forward to him taking us out of here before that hour arrives. One of the most incredible Bible teachers I have ever had the chance to study under believes this is the strongest statement in the Bible pointing to the rapture of the church before the tribulation period. There's much more we could say about that, 
But let's continue and look at verse 11. Jesus said, I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. We need to live each day knowing that he could come at any moment. And then Jesus makes this promise. The one who conquers, in other words, the person, the believer who remains faithful, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. We have so much to look forward to. And then this letter concludes with, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, plural. This was written not just merely to believers at the city of Philadelphia. The Spirit of God was writing to the church, the body of Christ at large, so that we can take each of these letters and bear application to what we are dealing with and what we anticipate. I hope that you will just join me on this journey through the book of Revelation. And again, I consider it an overview. If you have not listened to the previous podcast, please make sure to go to our website, livetheword.org, and there you can listen to the previous broadcasts. And we're just going to continue to make our way through this incredible book, and we would be excited to have you join us.